Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Dr. Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip a podcast by Black professionals about the political and economic decision-making that affects our communities and beyond. Stay tuned as we talk Canadian news and Black issues on a semi-regular basis. And if you support our work to keep you informed, please subscribe. On our year-end episode, we reflect on the absolute whirlwind that was 2023 and consider what's next in 2024. And what a year it was. Stay tuned as Patience and I share our thoughts on the biggest political story of the year, the political event that was most beneficial to both Black Canadians and Canadians at large, what we're most concerned about heading into 24, and plenty more. Ready to jump in? Let's do it! So Patience, you good? It's been a minute. How are you? Yeah, man, I'm here navigating through this cost of living crisis, just like many of my millennial parents how have you been curtis i hear that i hear that on my end i've been doing my part to advocate for reform in our criminal justice system through my reset okay and for more revenue generating opportunities for small businesses in scarborough through the scarborough business association doing some work doing okay and if you follow me on instagram you'll see that yeah i had a few wins but you know what for all that i accomplish and feel proud of this year also felt, well, hard. Yeah. I mean, you said it. The high cost of inflation had me contemplating planting my roots somewhere less developed, you know, so my dollar could go further and I'm not being charged my left foot just to buy the basics. Inflation and other factors led to a major correction in the employment market, too, with the unemployment rate steadily rising from 5% back in April to 5.8% now. And that figure is set to continue climbing in 2024. StatsCan data shows that Canadians are paying the highest portion of disposable income on debt ever at 15 cents of every dollar. And that record level of debt stress is likely to climb higher as many homeowners like you and I patients have yet to renew their mortgages at higher interest rates in the months to come. Don't remind me. (laughs) And then there's the war. No, there's wars. On top of the Russo-Ukrainian war, a fresh new conflict broke out between Israel and Hamas in Gaza, all while major conflicts continued raging in Haiti, Mexico, numerous African states, Sudan and Congo specifically, a conflict between Pakistan and India, between North and South Korea, there's civil war in Myanmar, territorial disputes in the South China Sea, and there's possibly even new conflict between Venezuela and Guyana. Oh, And the election of Poilievre as prime minister and the return of Trump are very, very real possibilities due to liberal and democratic incompetence. Not exactly sunny ways. Global polling done by Ipsos backs the feeling up with data. You know, I like data. 70% of the world respondents, and there was about 26,000 of them, including Canadians, 
said 2023 was a bad year for their country and 53% said that it was a bad year for themselves and their family personally. Wow. So all that considered, what was the biggest political story of 2023? Well, let's expand the list of topics even further, shall we? Apart from the realities I've already mentioned, here in Toronto, there was also the resignation of John Tory, which led to the historic election of Mayor Olivia Chow, the Greenbelt scandal, and the election of Bonnie Crombie as Ontario Liberal leader. But if you ask me, I think inflation and interest rates coupled with affordability and housing crises were the biggest story. And I mean that for both here and basically everywhere in the developed world. It's kind of wild. The cost of everything is too damn high. And here's what I mean. The cost of a grocery visit, already ridiculous, will continue climbing in 2024, albeit less less than this year. Canada's food price report uh, 2024 predicts that food prices will rise by 2.5% to 4.5% compared to 5% to 7% that it did rise this year. So isn't that nice? We got a little break. Expect to see uh, the steepest increases on vegetables, meat, and baked goods, all expected to rise by 5 to 7%. Fruit and dairy, on the other hand, will rise by a more modest 1% to 3%. And the cost of an already pricey restaurant meal is expected to jump by 3 to 5%. Look, I, I used to love going out, fam. For example, I went to the, the 50 Cent Buster Rhymes concert, right? I, I went to that. Yeah. The food and drink costs were crazy. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Paying rent? Crazy. The average transacted rents for condos patients was 2917 bucks in Q3, which was in fact a slight decrease of 1.3% from the record highs of August. Oh my gosh. Wow. Homeowners, we're having a hard time too. As represented by our big six banks earning $56 billion this year, which is a decrease of 6% year over year due to credit loss provisions, among other challenges. For context, I saw at one point in the, in the fall uh, that banks were preparing for as much as 30% of loans defaulting. Might be me. Crazy. Might be me, yo. Might be me. <laughs> the price of gas sometimes? Crazy! Although I must acknowledge that Canada has some of the cheapest gas in the world. Yeah. The cost of a wedding. Okay, you, no, you see my point. Oh, like yes. everything. <laughs> and worse, the Ontario and Canadian economies are expected to slow to negative 0.2 and negative 0.1% respectively, according to Desjardins. So things aren't going to be good, man. But it's not all bad. Inflation is expected to return close to its 2% target by end of 2024, as per the Bank of Canada. I've heard that before. But anyway, then there's the fact that people be buying Teslas and shit. Um, Seriously, EV SUVs and crossover sales continue to surge in Canada. Canadians registered about 457,800 new vehicles in Q3. And over the same period, the combined sales of battery EVs and hybrids jumped 62%. Wow. Yeah, interesting. eh? The most popular vehicle by far was the Tesla Model Y. Why? Since Tesla did a great job of making the pricing attractive. You getting a Tesla fashion? Not anytime soon. No, you're good. Okay, cool. Uh, Canadian banks expect 2025 to be better as well. So that's, I guess, a good sign. Better for who? (laughs) Better for hopefully all of us. And looking back at the Ipsos poll, uh, many people worldwide feel 2024 will be a new chapter. 
63% of Canadians say they're, quote, optimistic that 2024 will be a better year for them than it was in 2023, end quote. It's also worth noting, though, that 63% of Canadians who think next year will be better is interestingly lower than the global average of 70%. Oh. And further interestingly, patients, you, you, might, you might find this interesting. It's mostly developing countries that made the top 10 with over a minimum of 80% of their respondents per country feeling good about 2024. Wow. So what does that say about the state of the developed world? Anyway, how about you, Patience? What, what political or economic story was the biggest, in your opinion, this year? You know, I, I was tempted to go for a story that kind of took us through the, the whole year. But as a DEI practitioner, I really can't downplay the impact that the conflict in Israel and in Gaza has had on the yeah. world. Particularly its impact on young people who are on college and university campuses in this country. So while I don't want to go into too much detail about the actual conflict because there are Canadian thinkers who are much more qualified to speak on that than I am, I do want to highlight the impact that this has had on Jewish, Muslim, and Middle Eastern people in Canada, whether they're Israeli, Palestinian, or, or not. So everyone kind of understands what happened on October 7th. I'm, I'm not going to recap what, what happened, but a CBC News article posted earlier this month that Toronto police reported a staggering rise in hate crimes since October 7th. And it's not just here in Toronto, even as far west as British Columbia. British Columbia's Human Rights Commissioner reported a surge of discrimination and violence against Muslim and Jewish people on our west coast. Mm. But let's, let's start first by talking about the impact on Canadian Muslims. Uh, it's very interesting that a very timely Senate report was tabled in November 2023 that flagged Islamophobia as a chronic problem for Canada, and one that, that Canada doesn't maybe seem particularly eager to address, or that perhaps Canada doesn't really know how to, to address. Uh, and, and I have a theory that the, the way that Islamophobia comes up in our society is, is an indicator of, of other issues. But anyway, b back, back to the issue. I, I really, really think that this, the, the, the recommendations from this Senate report are going to alleviate some pressures if they are, if they are actioned. The report found that Muslim women have become the primary targets when it comes to violence and intimidation because they're easily recognizable from their hijab. And as a result, Many women are, many Muslim women are afraid to leave their homes for work, for school, and for other activities. And this, this Senate report isn't just talking about what happened as of October 7th. They're talking about what has been happening for 20 to 25 years. But keeping in mind October 7th, the National Council for Canadian Muslims has reported a 1,300% increase in the number of hate incidents within the first month of the conflict. And this, this is really interesting, Curtis, to me. This, they think, exceeds the rise of Islamophobia that this group felt following 9-11. I thought following 9-11, the, the discrimination was absolutely, like, undeniable and everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're saying this is worse. Mm -hmm. 
Now, moving on to the impact on Jewish Canadians, according to a CBC Toronto news article, anti-Semitic incidents are up by 211% since October 7th, with anti-Semitism making up 53% of all hate crimes reported to the Toronto police since October 7th. They've also said that the anti-Semitic incidents are so widespread, they include intimidating Jews at their homes, in their schools, at their businesses, ripping sacred objects from their doorposts. It's like... Disgusting behavior. Disgusting, absolutely disgusting behavior. What I think has also made this one of the biggest news stories of the year is that all the attention to events related to October 7th, I think, have permitted attention to be paid to other injustices like the conflicts and exploitative activities happening in Sudan and the Democratic Republic of the Congo, respectively, right? This tends to happen, right, Curtis? You have all this attention going to one particular incident or one particular conflict, and then all of a sudden people are like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, but wait, what about this? What about that? And I think we're getting a lot of attention paid to to Sudan that, that has basically... Uh, been happening for 20 years. Do you remember, Curtis, like in 2003, in 2004, hearing about Darfur, this war in Darfur? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same, same place. Mm-hmm. The, the war in Sudan is, is kind of centering around right now. And same with Congo. Everybody was talking about Kony. Everybody was talking about all of the violence in the DRC. Now the, the, the conversation has shifted more towards the raw materials and how all of the meddling in the Democratic Republic of Congo is actually about the cobalt, Mm. about the copper, about the zinc, and about how, because people want access to these raw materials, groups are getting in there, they're incentivized to get in there and and meddle in the conflict so they can leave with with the goods, Mm. right? So... Anyway, all to say, this stuff is ongoing, our eyes are open, and I think all of these stories together have turned into the biggest global news story for for 2020. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Interesting. Interesting. Conflict, it seems, uh, knows no end. Uh, and uh, I'm, you know, not looking forward to how 2024 unfolds if it's anything like 2023. So, uh, Patience, what do you think the most positive political event of 2023 was for Black Canadians and Canadians more broadly. Yeah, so starting with for Black Canadians, I really, I'm so 
happy that Black Canadians have been added as a separate group in the Employment Equity Act, separate from visible minorities. So folks may or may not know that uh, the Employment Equity Act from the, the, the late 80s, early 90s, identifies four groups that are kind of systemically impacted by marginalization and, and all sorts of things. Those four groups are women, people with disabilities, Indigenous people, and visible minorities. So now they have added two additional groups, Black Canadians or, or, or Black people and the, the 2S LGBTQ plus community. And we have been saying, and I'm talking about researchers, Black people, we have been saying the research has demonstrated for decades, Curtis, that grouping all racialized minorities into one group called visible minorities masks disparities. Hmm. Because when you average out the groups who are outperforming white folks, Mm -hmm. right, with the groups who are chronically lagging behind just in terms of, you know, performance in the labor market, performance in our schools, um, you know, even like integration into the, the healthcare system. If you average us all out, it all looks very equal. But when you when you look at these racial groups individually, that's when you start to see the distinct impact of the transatlantic slave trade, the distinct legacy of centuries of enslavement and Jim Crow. And I know that these things didn't always happen in Canada, but in North America, the, the, the disparities are, 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 are transferred, right, because of our media systems and things like that. So anyway, I'm so excited about Black Canadians being added as a separate group, and hopefully... This will empower, further empower groups like Black North Initiative, Foundation for for Black Communities, to make a case for consistent funding to get Black folks are just due when it comes to employment or entrepreneurship and get us working in jobs that that are less precarious than we have historically. How about you? I'm thinking about MP Greg Fergus being elected Speaker of the House of Commons. Ah. Uh, it was historic. It was, you know, a beautiful moment, even though those shameless conservatives would rather take that away. Did you did you see how that unfolded? I did see that. Didn't think that they were going to be successful, mm-hmm. given the articles that I read. I'm very happy to see that. Um, I mean, it started with uh, MP Matthew Green. Uh, maybe put one of the staffers up to it, but made sure that the very person who was throwing stones made sure that, uh, you know, his glass house was under attack as well. Anyway, that's not what we have to focus on. What we're focusing on is the fact that MP Greg Fergus was elected speaker, fair and square, and it's historic and it's great, particularly for those uh, paying attention to the political world. In terms of positive news for Canadians, I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, I didn't see too much out there. <laughs> I didn't see. It really has been a a hard year for folks, but I guess a little bit of a cop out because this news actually comes from 2022. But I do think that in 2023 we got $10 a day brought to the Ontario, like we got the commitment from the Ontario level. I do think that that may have been early 2023, but really, other than that, it's been a rough year. Um, <laughs> it takes us from, you know, about um, $3,000 a month for childcare to uh, about a quarter of that um, on average. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're laughing? <laughs> Yo, it's hard out here. <laughs> Yo, it's hard out here. So having, uh, having Ontario agree 
to uh, working towards $10 a day per child for, for daycare. It was an, an absolute win and a positive for, for millennials in this province. I hear that. What about you? Following that same vein, as well as remaining consistent with uh, my position throughout the episode so far, I think inflation being the big problem right now, I think that the fact that it is falling, you know, it's fallen from 5.8 to now 3.1% since January. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a, you know, that's a, that's as good a, a win we're going to that's as good a win as we're going to get. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll take that. And like I said earlier, hopefully we do get back to that 2% and um, grocery prices. Like, yo, I don't know what the government said they did, but it ain't working. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm looking forward triumphantly to late 2024. So, Curtis, based on the events of 2023, what are you most concerned about politically in 2024? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This has been very concerning to me for multiple reasons, um, but it's Canada's slowing economy, right? And I started talking about it earlier. Um, it will lead to infrastructure concerns where cities don't have the resources they need to manage roads and bridges and tunnels, and that's very dangerous. And we're, I, I've already seen examples of how problematic this has been since the pandemic. This could be an unsafe time in many places without concrete financial support from more senior orders of government, um, pun intended. So uh, I really do hope that there are real agreements in the works to ensure that, uh, you know, our infrastructure remains safe. I'm still concerned about people's ability to bounce back from high inflation. Me too. Just as I was last year, especially with unemployment on the rise. And finally, uh, world conflicts are intensifying. You know, I joked about this earlier, but as they do, all we can do is ensure we're able to protect our interests, both home and abroad. Uh, war has no time for wishful thinking. How about you, Patience? I just, I want to touch on something that you said earlier, but I want to make sure that I'm, I'm correct in this. So when, when you're, in terms of your first point about support from a higher orders of government, mm -hmm. do you think that if we don't get some support, particularly for our infrastructure concerns, that we could end up in like a Flint, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan type of situation in some parts of the country? I think it's possible. I mean, who would have thought that the RT would derail, right? Yo. <laughs> so within that the context. The RT is an, I forgot about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I totally and, forgot and, about that derailment. Wow. So yeah, serious conversations wow. need to be had. I know that they're they're happening, um, but I, I kind of wanted to put that on folks' radars. In terms of me, I mean, in, in a similar vein to um, your last point, I'm definitely concerned about our political stability and, and our democracy. And not in the way that I'm like concerned about free and fair elections, because I'm actually, that's not the concern. But I do, mm -hmm. I am concerned that, People don't feel as though their leaders are listening to them or mm -hmm. acting in their interest. Right. Um, and I'm seeing that rise both in the party system and outside of the party system. So yep. even people who are who are supporting parties and who go to conventions and stuff, they're also experiencing some some frustration. So yes, we are. Uh, with <laughs> with growing economic pressures, I think we're gonna we're gonna feel some pretty serious political pressures come mm -hmm. and and i think um so uh, there, there's there's a, 
tons of examples of this, but I, I do think, if I may, that the, the Sarah Jama situation with the Ontario NDP is a, is a very interesting example, uh, especially given how differently the Ontario NDP were managing in, in comparison to, to the, the, the feds. A, a core part of democracy is actually listening to your constituents and uh, not just listening to them every time there's a there's an election. And I see that I see that there's been quite a breakdown and um, I, I look forward to maybe seeing that repaired in, in the next year. If not, we, ha- we have some real things to be concerned about. I hear that. I think that we need to have um, leaders worth following. And that has to be corrected before, um, that's probably going to have to be the case that that will have to be corrected before things change on, on the front you mentioned. I, can I ask you a question that's not on the script? <laughs> um, I, I'm curious, I had, I was having a discussion with somebody recently and, and I, I said, I, I hadn't even really thought about this. I just said, I, I don't think it's, it's attractive to run anymore. I don't think the running for, for, for office has the same valor and honor and dignity that it had even 10 years ago. Would you agree with that? I I would agree. And I think a part of that is reflected by the types of folks who have gotten in and what they've done or more specifically not done with the power they had such that it's just, it's like, what's, what are you doing there? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've been very concerned about, we're still off script here, but one of the things I've been very concerned about in, in really paying attention to a lot of elected folks is the reality that they actually don't know how to govern. They only know how to complain or stand up for some specific advocacy point, uh, but they do not know how to govern. Right, uh, and that is deeply problematic because that is your core responsibility. Yeah. Uh, so you want to talk about <laughs> uh, our democracy being uh, in a in an unhealthy state? That's a big part of it. We have leaders who, in fact, do not know how to govern. Well, so we've reached the end of the episode, just like we've reached the end of the year. Folks, you know we've had some great interviews this year. Uh, chief among them was the chief, Mark Saunders, when he was running to be Toronto's 66th mayor. The question to you from Patience and I is, who do you want to see us speak to in 2024? Make a list. We'll check it. We'll check it twice. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see if we can get it done. Does that work for you, Patience? Yep. You've just listened to episode 101 of The Drip. We're releasing episodes on a semi-regular basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drip T.O. As you know, we love our many non-BIPOC listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and remember, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Peace. Hey, 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 